episode 21 of Smuggling Hope. Cold, dark, and wonderful. The United States of America is ranked the 15th happiest country. So we're number 15 in terms of the happiness. Now, again, that's maybe an old statistic. Maybe we've bumped down a couple notches. I have no idea. Now, the weird thing is, is in, in New York, where I am, which is in many ways, we talk about not seeing the sun and we have a thing called seasonal depression, um, you know, where the sun goes away and it gets cold and it gets dark. And many people just feel kind of depressed and they stay indoors and they, you know, they just don't feel good. Right. Uh, and we, we have about 58% in New York, like we get 58% sunshine, right? Um, just to keep that in perspective. Now, what's more surprising is a country that gets about 36% of daylight hours, 36% of sunlight, um, is the second happiest country in the world and has been for a very long time, and that country is Denmark. And so why is a country that spends much of its time in dark and in cold in the Netherlands, and if you look at the happiness index of, of countries that are the happiest, you'll find a lot of them are in um, the, uh, you know, that, that, uh, Icelandic Sea, you know, Netherlands area, what are they doing differently that we might take a look at and, and what might we apply so that we enjoy the cold and dark months and make sure that we, we, we get closer together and enjoy our time um, while we're stuck indoors maybe more than normal. So I want to break down what this hugh is and what it means to us as non-Danes and how it can help us to really uh, counterbalance like the effects of seasonal depression because a lot of us get down we get less daylight and our minds literally become uh, oftentimes have a more difficult time uh, adjusting to the change of seasons and we get kind of you know in a funk now I want you to draw your attention though before we even talk about who is that um, when you're a kid is there really a lot of seasonal depression in children like my kids are excited about the snow or about skiing or about Santa Claus or about snowball fights. It seems like everything begins with S, right? Um, but they want to go outside. They want to go and go ice skating. They want to go and see a hockey game. They want to go and see a football game. And so um, winter for kids in, in this darkness, like my daughter says she loves the fall because it's cool. But again, like younger people, like what is their orientation, right? Their orientation towards the seasons is one of excitement and enjoy in a lot of ways. They're looking forward to, you know, Christmas or Thanksgiving and, and the turn of the seasons and time with family. And for many of us, we are broken away from uh, an orientation towards connection to other people, uh, a meaning of, of the seasons, what that actually means. And again, if you haven't listened to the last podcast on Halloween, I, it's worth maybe listening to because without meaning, it's hard to orientate ourselves to the season and the changes of the season. And so it's like we race through things. Because without meaning, we experience more and more growing fear, and then everything speeds up. And so that's obviously why we see as adults, the experience of time seems to, um, you know, time seems to fly. But if you remember like being a child, um, and, you know, I remember being like first, second grade, kindergarten, five years old, you remember like the summer seemed like it was all year, right? The summer seemed like its own, like its own timetable or Christmas break seemed like it was a month, but it was really like two weeks. Um, 
and really that's because the brain is, is, is in a different position. The brain is actually more flexible when we're younger um, and we pay attention differently, but we can learn how to pay attention again the way that we were as children if we're diligent. And we can slow that speeding up of the mind, this, this, this fear that we have that uh, seems to rob us of a lot of our connectedness and joy with our family and with just in general the, the, the graces of our life. Now, the practice of hug has a lot to do with uh, you know, really like um, giving us almost a childlike, uh, you know, uh, experience of the winter and dark months. So instead of this fear-based one, right, this one where we're afraid of losing time, you know, losing these experiences or fears or, you know, that we're really engaging and embracing the, the, the change of the seasons, right, and really enjoying to the fullest of extent our time with our family, our time away from the intensities of work, really connecting back to what matters. So one of the first uh, principles of Hug is ambiance, right? You know, ambiance in, in the sense that the, you know, the environment in our homes, as it gets darker, it should be warm inside. And that seems pretty commonsensical, right? And, and I think for a lot of us, like, you know, you know, we uh, we forget we're animals, and as animals, think about it. Electricity has only been in existence for maybe like a hundred something years, um, and uh, one of the terms that I like to kind of play around with is this concept of being civilized to death. The more electronic, um, you know, uh, benefits, the more electricity, uh, constant blue screens, constant video games, constant, you know, Twitter feed, whatever it is that you're doing. Like the brain doesn't get to rest. And, uh, you know, 120, 140 years ago, when there was not really a lot of electricity, when the lights went out, what did you have? You had a fire, right? Which we'll talk a little bit about. Um, you had connectedness with your family. You would be together around the fire or you would be in the same bedroom or, you know, if you had siblings, you know, or maybe even if your, if your family's home was very small, you would all cuddle together really because of body heat and because you wanted to survive the elements. But when the lights went out outside, when the sun went down, you went indoors and it became a place of warmth. And a lot of times people, they don't want to be outside because they don't have warmth inside. And so it's super important that you think about this from creating warmth in your home. And I don't mean just warmth in the sense of like physical warmth. I mean warmth in the sense of hospitality. Do people want to come to your house in the winter? Are you okay with that? It's a good gut check. Do you want to have people in your home in winter? Um, is your life designed for hospitality's sake? But keep the, the ambiance, keep the, the environment of your house designed so that it's warm and it's inviting. You know? And there's something about that. As you come home from a late night tonight, I I came home and it was uh, dark out, obviously, when I arrived home and people were already asleep, um, And but the fire was still on at my house. And I think that that gives you a different uh, sense, a sense that something's alive here and that people want to be together. People live here. People don't just exist. People live here. People live. People love. And, and again, a lot of times, like we see these signs at Hobby Lobby or, 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 or some craft store but, but the signs are not as important as the environment. And is your home in, environment warm and inviting? And that has to do with your attitude and the way that people talk and the way that you design your home. Um, and, and it is not just about like the physicality, although there is a dimension of that. But make sure that it, it's warm and inviting.
The next factor, really, if we're, as we go through you know this, 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 these practices, is light. And a lot of times, you know, again, in our homes, we can have very um, intense, um, intense and harsh light. And, and harsh light or unnatural light really, um, it really disconnects us because it's not going to make sense with the environment and the way that human beings are designed. Think about it again. 140, 150 years ago, it was dark out. I, I came home and realistically, I came home by candlelight or torchlight and there was very little light um, in my home. And the light that I did permit, that was, you know, it was warm and it was low. And so, again, as we, we try to make our home warm, as we try to create that, 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 that environment for connection and hospitality, we want to, you know, maybe to use some candles to use your fireplace if you have one. You know, just seeing a fireplace, I think, makes people, um, you know, very, uh, it makes people alive. And if you have a property or space or the ability to have fires outside, especially when it's cold, I think that that's super powerful. It, it connects us to the reality that it is cold. Remember, in order for you to be warm and, and really enjoy and, and recognize warmth, to deepen your experience of warmth, and light. There has to be darkness and there has to be cold. And that's why you're going to see, as we talk about these concepts of Hugh, we want to make sure that we are allowed to be outside and permitting ourselves to be in the, into, the, into the world that God created so that we're not civilized to death and kind of, you know, fighting, so to speak, with our humanity. Another concept that we hear all the time in our world that, is, that the Danes are trying to master is the art of presence. So really to be in the moment. And, and the, one of the things that robs us from the moment the most, especially in the, in the, you know, the, the twilight season, right, into, as, as we change our timetables and we get less sunlight and it gets colder and colder, and, uh, you know, is that we are plugged in more and more into our computer system, our video games, our, our social media accounts, and we're exposing ourselves really to blue light later and later throughout the day. And if you're not aware of this, and this is important to note, um, is that blue light kills your mood. Um, it's beyond the scope of this podcast tonight to talk about the impact of light. I, I hope to do so, uh, hopefully in the coming weeks. But super important that like in the evening, that we power off electronics, right? That we power off electronics so that we can kind of be with what's important and kind of start to pause. Remember, there was no, you know, Facebook, Twitter. There was no 24-hour news cycle. That, that really has only been around for maybe 35 years, actually, the 24-hour news cycle, right? The, maybe 40 years. Um, but there was no video games. What people did in the evening was maybe with a, a candle or maybe by torchlight or whatnot or, or some lantern, they read a book or they did write or they read the Bible or they read whatever books they had. or They told stories in the dark or by the fire. And again, there's something that connects us to our humanity. And the more we can connect to what is human in us, the less we fear the elements and the more that we feel connected in the experience of life. And uh, you know, the, the many generations of humanity that have been around fires and been in the dark and talked and told stories. And these are such human experiences, but we miss out on them because we're constantly busy. We're constantly doing work. We're constantly doing work into the evening. We should be sleeping. 
And so you think about it in the winter, it's a natural thing that we should probably be working less. As an agrarian society, if we were you know, farmers, think about it. We worked a lot in the summer and we actually didn't work a lot in the winter. Why? Well, because winter was a time to eat, be together and try not to die. Some people had, you know, had the ability to hunt or skills to hunt, or, you know, and, and that and that was something that people did or they fished. But in general, it was a time where our, our whole life, again, was very much with, you know, the flow and we were connected to, you know, the season. Now we are fighting these experiences. We're fighting these realities. We we're going out to dinner to late hours and we're watching television shows for hours and hours and hours. And then we wake up late. You know, we wake up and we've already missed daylight. We've already missed the morning um, where we might, might have benefited from seeing the sunrise, but instead we slept in and now we're exhausted and now we're bummed out because it's, you know, it's already getting dark out and it's one o'clock in the afternoon and it's getting dimmer. So make sure that like we practice being present and to do that, we have to get rid of the distractions, you know, and if you have blue light, the tablet, the computer, um, you know, the, the phone, um, keep them out of your rooms where you sleep, keep them away from the opportunities to connect with people. I think that can be very powerful just to, to simplify, right? Um, the more simple your life is, the more you can experience joy. The more complex your life is, right? Responsibilities, work, 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 reports, filing, this thing, that thing, following up, making calls, leveling up, you know, you know, following your Snapchat feed, whatever you got to do, the, the less you're going to be present and the more the fear is going to build and the more you're going to actually, um, you know, run up against, you know, our world in the sense that it's, it's dark out. So all of these things that are shifting, since we're not, you know, uh, I guess, you know, connected to that reality, we're, we're fighting against it. Um, uh, it's going to set off a, in many of us a chain reaction of just, you know, not feeling like ourselves. Have you ever wondered what the leading cause of divorce is? It's not addiction, infidelity, lack of intimacy, or incompatibility. It's actually criticism. Criticism underlies all the behaviors that lead to divorce. Criticism kills connection between married couples. If you want to learn ways to stop criticizing and start connecting with your spouse, check out heartsrenewed.org for dynamic exercises on how to shape new conversations with your spouse that will give you the kind of marriage you signed up for, all from the comfort of your home. The the next like principle of Hugh is this concept of togetherness and you'll find this like with most of the scandinavian countries and maybe that's why socialism has been able to prosper there um, very easily is that people have a very um, strong interest in what we would call a communal bonding right um, there is a, again because they, they deal with very harsh climates so there is this natural desire for people to want to be together support one another and when it gets cold and dark out, it's just more opportunities to connect, to have a bonfire, you know, to have a, a nice family meal, to, uh, you know, go play a board game. And, uh, and again, simplicity allows connection. Complexity, if anybody's ever played a board game at my house, you know that it might take two and a half hours to get through the dang directions before you actually play a game. So you got to buckle up. But simplicity allows for greater connection, right? The simpler we can make life, 
you know, the, the greater the ease of, 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 uh, you know, connectedness, but being together, experiencing, you know, the cold and the dark together bonds people, right? And you think about when you're a kid, like you build snow forts, you get into snow fights, you go skiing, maybe when you're a teenager, you know, these are all experiences where your attitude, right? Your attitude and orientation towards the cold and the snow is positive. It's a season of opportunity and magic or love and romance. Um, And it's, it's almost as if now as you, as you age and you get older, like there's so many problems that the cold presents oftentimes that, that negate our opportunities to connect. We're worried about shoveling. We're worried about like travel. We're worried about a lot of things where it's kind of like, well, you know, if you've ever survived through a blizzard, you know, you know, the, it, it, last year in Buffalo, we had a, a tremendous blizzard, blizzard, which unfortunately took the lives of people. But all of us had to really stay put. And even for the Christmas holiday, like really like that was muted. Like we really couldn't travel and even see the family we normally would. And the, you know, but, you know, on, on Christmas you know day, like we had to be dug out by my brother-in-laws and they, they literally drove us to uh, the family gathering. And that will be something I will remember and my kids will remember forever. But the, the bonding that comes from having to be together and simplify so that we're not straining ourselves, you know, it's almost as if the world is telling us to slow down or God is telling us to slow down. You don't need to work so hard. It's cold out. It's, it's dark out. It's, it's probably not the best for you to run at the same pace. But you, you know, it's the weird part is like, that's the time where people are most stressed. You know, as you're listening to this, you might be even thinking about how many, how many things you've got to do for your Christmas list or, you know, who, who's going to do what, excuse me, for Thanksgiving or how you're going to deal with the family feud that you got going on. How are you going to squash that before you have to get together for the holidays? Whatever the case is, like we're already, you know, looking at this from the lens of, of almost fear and anxiety and stress when it should really be like, okay, I got to pause, slow down and really enjoy my family and enjoy this weather and enjoy the cold and the dark and use it as an opportunity to connect and make memories and to grow closer with people because there should be less distractions. Remember, we do not want to sacrifice our connections for just more activities and busyness. We don't want to sacrifice our relationships for technology and, and, and doing the next you know, thing that, you know, we, we, the next task. We don't want to be tasked to death. In, in Danish culture, there is also like a big movement towards making sure that we stay in connection to nature, right? And so one key thing that I can't stress enough, and for those of you who are going to listen to this podcast, I encourage you to do your research about this. Uh, especially the stuff that Andrew Huberman has been doing out in Stanford, I believe that's where he's at, about the effect of light on the mind and on the cells of the body and the work of Jack Cruz, K-R-U-S-E. And, you know, those guys have, have really been, you know, discussing a lot about these uh, misnomers about, like, what happens and why the body needs light and how in some ways the body actually creates light which sounds even more bizarre, I'm sure. Um, but check it out. Um, but one of the big things for us as people is we want to be connected to nature. And our nature is that we are creatures of light, which means that you know it, it's helpful for our eyes to hit sunlight every day, especially in the early morning. Why? Well, because our, our, eyes, our, our eyes absorb that light and it, it has a profound effect on the way that the brain 
communicates with itself. Again, it goes beyond the, the span of this little podcast, and I, I will do my best to summarize the results of a lot of that or the, the research surrounding the impact of light, especially on the mind's functioning. So I think it's important for people to be exposed to that. But being out in nature is huge. Think about when you're a kid. You play in the snow. You go skiing. You go go skating outside, right? You go play hockey outside, right? Um, and when you're outside, and again, like whether you're, um, you know, whether you're hiking, uh, whether you're you're going sledding, um, you know, again, you know, especially like I remember at one point I took my children to a place uh, called Chestnut Ridge by by me and we went in winter um and i took my kids and and for the most part it was like a uniquely challenging time because there was snow and ice and the kids were slipping and i'm sure most people would be like why did you bring your little kids there but it was an adventure the ice was cracking and some kids got wet and, but controlled danger right there, there really wasn't any significant danger there was controlled danger and the fact of, well, maybe you're going to crack the ice and your boots are going to get soaked. Controlled danger amplifies Hugh, that, that, that sense of, you know, coziness, that safety, that ability to, to feel connected. It, it, it magnifies our ability to be present. Why? Well, because there is that risk. I might crack the ice, you know, playing that outdoor hockey game or, you know, asking that girl out at, you know, at the, the, the winter ball or whatever it is that you're doing, the, the, you know, these, these, these episodes of, of controlled danger, you know, especially outdoors, they help us to be more involved in reality. So whether you're going hunting, whether you're going fishing, whether you're going to go outside for a bonfire or you're going to make a snow uh, castle or whatever you're going to do or go to a local park, you know, when you're in nature, it's not just the air quality. It's the fact that more and more of your senses get engaged in the reality you're in. And the more senses that get engaged, the more your mind slows down. Because, you know, you think about it like if if all you're doing is smelling something, well, that's different than smelling it, tasting it, touching it, talking with the person next to you. The more parts of the memory or the more parts of the senses that are engaged, the more present. That's how movies work, you think. Like if you sit in a movie theater, you, you don't recognize that it's a screen. If the story is any good... You could be watching Tom Cruise in the newest Mission Impossible movie, and you'll forget that you're actually sitting there. You won't be realizing, you'll be unaware of the reality that you're sitting in a room, a dark room, with probably some really dirty furniture, with a bunch of strangers you don't know, you know, and, you know, and, and eating questionable food, probably. But at, at that point, though, like you get so immersed with the sound and the, the dialogue and the visuals and the intensity, I mean, the sound has to be on point and it generates the movement and all the senses get involved and I feel connected. So it's really about plugging ourselves into not a movie, right? But but to really you know plug ourselves into our nature by getting out in, uh, you know, the cold and the dark, you know, whether it's, you know, taking a walk with a flashlight. Last year, I had a lot of fun. I Went out in the winter months, uh, you know, in January and February by us. The coyotes, um, you know, call to one another because, like, it's their mating time. So you can call to them and they'll actually call back. And they actually started to come in closer and closer, even though we didn't see them. And my my, my son's got kind of, uh, I think, a little bit of a, a kick out of it. Again, controlled danger. But you get to hear them start to move closer and howl and howl a little bit more. And you can tell that they get 
get, get closer. But that, that these are memories. These are times where I was actually in my body. I was with the people that I care about. I was in my life. And again, like that's, that's why these things exist, really to pull us maybe away from the busyness, not to generate it. We've, we've got the wrong ideas about the winter. We want to fill up the time. We want to avoid the, to, uh, the, the time in the cold, you know, in the, in the dark. But I think that, you know, again, we have to take a childlikeness to it and, and, and have fun and play with, uh, with nature. So one of the, 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 the most, I guess, uh, you know, probably essential thing with Hugh is this idea of appropriate clothing and that the com- clothing itself be comfortable, right? So a lot of times, you know, people, uh, we've, we've gone away from this where we are, we are comfortable all of the time. And because we're comfortable all the time in our um, American state, like we don't understand what comfort is because we're always in it. So it's important that we realize that when, when, I, when the, the Danes do it, they're being comfortable at home. They're not wearing these things always out in public. It's not that they walk around in pajamas. People in America, like if you walk to the local store today or you, you go to the local grocery store or the local Target or, you know, if, you, if you're brave enough, go to Walmart and you'll see people just dressed in pajamas. You go to the local college. You know, if people are still going to college anymore and on campuses, kids are just dressed in pajamas most of the time. Now, the, the, the issue with that is that, again, if you're dressed for bed, you're already half asleep. I always think that's kind of funny, right? If you're dressed for bed, you're already half asleep. Now, the interesting thing is if you're awake, right, like if you're out in the cold and you've been out there or you were able to play or you were able to go ice fishing or you were just going to go for a brisk walk with your spouse or your friends or hang out at the local, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever, you come home you know, from, you know, being uncomfortable and you can be put into comfortable clothes and that sensory experience is soothing. But remember, your body can't recognize that unless there's a change. And a lot of us want to be comfortable all the time. But remember, when you have something all the time, you become asleep to it. You're not really aware when you're comfortable. And then what happens is you get lazy or that experience of comfort starts to creep in and it affects the mind. Remember, how we dress affects how we perceive ourselves and how we present ourselves. So yes, at home, I should be resting. Yes, I shouldn't be dressed in a a three-piece suit and working on one report after another and being super serious and then trying to balance my super serious life, you know, with, you know, you know, a double shot of bourbon every night. That's probably not a great routine, you know, for, uh, for a person in the winter months, but sadly, that's what a lot of people fall into, right? So again, like at home, wear clothes that are comfortable. And again, it's it's not that we should be doing this necessarily outside. Remember, if you want to be comfortable, you have to also be uncomfortable. And it's not about even being uncomfortable. It's just being appropriate in participating in life. You can't avoid and escape the reality that it's cold and dark. You know, you just can't avoid you know, every one of us in the, in the, you know, at least on the East Coast, we're going to deal with some cold and dark, even if we're in Florida. It might not be as cold, right? But it'll still be dark. So, so clothing is a big thing, right? So make sure that you're comfortable at home. Okay. Um, the, the next one, like, is this, this perspective of leisure, right? 
the, the, like in the winter, remember, like you got to not take yourself so serious. So what are you going to do for fun? If winter, if the dark months, if the cold months inspire in you terror because you don't know what you're going to do and you have the attitude of, well, I shouldn't be here. I should be someplace else warmer. Well, that's good that you want to go someplace warm, but that's maybe not your reality. And, and frankly, you know, we want to have an attitude where we're actually enjoying our life, not waiting for life to begin, not in the state of perpetual purgatory of where we're waiting to enjoy our life again, because you'll make everybody miserable. So all of us have some, you know, some kind of deposit from our memories of childhood of things we enjoyed and did for fun in the winter. Because remember, you were not serious or afraid very much when you're a kid, especially of the winter. I mean, I used to go out for hours in the evening and play in my backyard, you know, and, and imagine fighting all types of, 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 of uh, bad guys. You know, I, I used to just go out. I loved the snow. I love to play in the snow and I would lose all my, you know, my, my weapons, I guess we would say. They would all be lost in the feet of snow out in uh, the backyard. Yeah, eventually it melts, you find them again. But what are you going to do for fun? What are you going to do for leisure? Are you going to play hockey? Are you going to go get season tickets for hockey? Are you going to go um, and have bonfires at your house? Are you going to um, go to football games outside? Are you going to... You know, um, have like times where you are going to have people over and bake pies together or bake cakes or we'll talk a little bit about that because it's the last one, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we're talking about food in a minute. Um, is that this this idea of, of having an attitude where we're excited about something and that there's something in winter that we're looking forward to. So think about what you're going to do for fun and it can't be avoid, you know, the cold and the and, and the um you know, avoiding the cold and, and the, uh, you know, the dark. And, and there's nothing wrong with going on vacation. I plan to go on vacation in the winter months. It is, though, really, uh, you know, important that people understand that the ability to be conditioned to the cold is also important to your overall longevity because it's a vasodilator, the cold, and the more you can shiver and be cold. And those people who are familiar with Wim Hof, who is a, a Dutchman, who's big on cold water and, and, you know, cold dousing or these, these ice plunges, you always check him out if you want, but being cold helps to condition our heart and our cardiovascular system, you know, for stress and to reduce blood pressure issues. And, and so if we're just always warm, our bodies really don't get the, the vasodilation they need and the muscles that operate the blood vessels, they don't get conditioned to pump the blood effectively. And then we get as we get older, we get more, uh, you know, clotting issues. And, you know, so if we want to have a healthier cardiac system, it's helpful to be cold. Okay. Uh, not, not, not cold just for cold sake, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we, we were made, you know, to, uh, you know, you know, live in this climate in the sense that we've adapted and our bodies can work. And, uh, but we, we need to not be afraid. We need to have fun. Now, the last component of this hug is cuisine, right? You know, food. Now, who doesn't like, and my kids, uh, you know, hopefully don't hear this, is who doesn't like hot cocoa in the cold, right? Or, or, or apple cider that has been heated up. Or, you know, people do mulled wine or whatever it is that they're doing. Think about all of the things seasonally that connect you to the season of the cold and the dark. 
and all the things that, uh, you know, you know, provoke in us a lot of, um, you know, good savory um, experiences, whether it's pot roast, whether it's, you know, cinnamon rolls. And again, you know, you know, cuisine is a big deal because it, it can stimulate memory. So I want you to think a lot of times in the, in the West, in America, we consume things, we consume a lot of food, but we just eat food. And if you're trying to be a healthy person, and especially if you don't want cancer, um, you know, cancer and a lot of the autoimmune conditions are associated with the immune response found in all the processed foods you eat. So whether you do paleo, whether you do, um, you know, you're vegan, whether you're like, you know, vegetarian, whether you're, you know, whatever it is, all of those things, you know, doing like the, the what is it, the, uh, the T-Rex diet or the lion diet, whatever diet you're on, all these things, they seem to work primarily not because of what you're eating, but what you're taking away, which is pretty much getting rid of all processed food. And the more you can get rid of that from your diet, the better. And so obviously the Danes, they don't have processed food, although I assume they could get it if they wanted. But in general, most Europeans process their foods very differently. Um, the way that they, they process wheat and flour is different. So again, that's why a lot of us have gluten intolerance here, because frankly, the food industry is poisoning you. So if you don't like it, like I said, you know, you know, start talking to your legislatures and get after it. But they have no problem poisoning us if they can make money. And then charge us up the wazoo for us to eat things that are not poison. But if we're talking about actual cuisine and not politics, my apologies, is we really want to make sure that we're thinking about like food that stimulates both a savoriness, right? Makes us recognize what we're eating, makes us present when we eat it. And then that we cook it, right? So, you know, we make it, whether you're making soft pretzels from scratch or cinnamon rolls, or whether you want to bake a cake or you want to make cookies or you want to smoke out, you know, some, some, some ribs or something because maybe you're the meat person, right? So I like to smoke, uh, you know, meat and do different types of stuff in the winter um, or just, uh, you know, whenever. But again, like we, we want to think about like how we can create a connection. Remember, we want to activate the senses. And that's what all the, the, the huge processes are, is activating all the senses we can to be present so that we are not in the state of fear or the state of resistance towards the reality that, well, our world has gotten a little darker and a little colder. And we should savor it and we should enjoy like a, a nice, you know, uh, a nice quiet um, dessert at home that we've made or, you know, invite our children to bake cookies with us or, you know, and we do some of this, right? But in, in America, we do this to excess, so much to excess, and so much to stress. We have to make like 50 types of cookies for Christmas, right? We have to, you know, we have to, you know, have like a Thanksgiving dinner that feeds 80 people when there's only 12 people coming. We do everything to excess. And the more we do things to excess, the, the more we, we lose the reality of, of these, these precious moments because it's the tiny joys. It's the abundance in a lot of ways that Americans struggle with uh, really enjoying these concepts because we overdo everything. We overdrink, you know. We overeat. We over. We, we just overdo it. We overbuy for Christmas, right? For the holidays, right? Just so you know, like psychologically, for all those of you who are worried about what you're going to get your kids for Christmas, here's a psychological trick: the more you buy your kids, the less they value what you buy them. I'll say that again because people don't get it. the more you buy your kids for Christmas, the less they value what they what you buy them because 
it's just everything. It's not necessarily something. It's everything. I mean, when you buy your kids everything, they don't even understand what they have. And so that stuff, um, again, we, we're losing it, right? So simplify your life. Simplify the sweets. And again, if you're getting through the winter months and you're really like wanting to be doing this and especially the cuisine stuff, look at stuff that you want to make. Look at what the Danes cook. Look at the simplification. Check out this stuff online, you know, of, of the Hugh stuff. Again, H-Y-G-G-E. There's tons of books. I think the Danes have tried to evangelize people to this. And obviously, you know, their, their world is not a panacea, but they do necessarily have like good, um, you know, good heroic habits for the winter months. Um, so, so pick out your favorite dishes or your favorite drinks or your favorite whatever for the winter months so that you are like, you know, connecting to people and connecting to your reality and whatever is appropriate so that like this experience is something that you want more of and you look forward to the cold again. You'll know that you did huge, bet, uh, you know, good because if you did it correctly, you'll want to experience more of this. You'll be looking forward to this. You won't be stressed out, but you'll be pumped up. So I hope this was helpful for you. Go out and smuggle some hope wherever you can. And, and, and don't worry about the cold and the dark. It's going to be wonderful. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Smuggling Hope. If you want to maximize the impact of the podcast you just listened to, try to find one thing that you thought was helpful and teach and share it with somebody in your life. When you teach and share what you've learned, it stays with you, and it helps to internalize what we've learned and get that seed to grow. I hope that the seeds of hope continue to grow in your life.